0: Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. Hey, this is Tommy from Ops Analytica. I'm going to throw some stats at you really quickly. These come from McKinsey, by the way. Uh, data-driven organizations are not only 23 times more likely to acquire customers, but they are also six times as likely to retain those customers and 19 times more likely to be profitable. The fact of the matter is, is that the restaurant industry has done an amazing job getting sales data out of POS systems, but where they have a gigantic black hole is understanding what's actually happening in their daily operations. The thing that actually generates sales that go into the POS system, by the way, Um, they have no clue what's happening. The fact of the matter is, is that the that data-driven decisions about your operations are no longer a luxury. We can no longer back into how well our business is operating by looking at KPIs that have nothing to do with operations, and we need the ability to look at real-time operations data about every single location, um, and we need to use that data to make better decisions, to identify problems we didn't even know we had, and to solve those problems quickly and that's what Ops Analytica can help you do. Check us out at OpsAnalytica.com. Hello, order up podcast listeners. It's Tommy again, I'm back with another interview. I'm so pleased to welcome John Squire. John, how are you doing today, man? Good, Tommy, thanks for having us. Oh, you're so welcome. Uh, So as you know, John, as we just discussed, we ask every uh, guest the same five questions and uh, let's get to the first question. Explain what you do today, and then take us through your career progression from your first job in the industry until today.
1: So this podcast is seven and seven to eight hours long, I assume?
0: Exactly, yes. <laughs> this is as long as we can make. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so Card Free is a white-label mobile commerce platform uh, largely focused on the hospitality sector, um, restaurants being first and foremost, and then uh, recently dabbled into some hotels as well as theme parks um my career oof painful um we'll go <laughs> back to the, to the caddying days i started out as my house my first hospitality i guess you could call it, quote unquote experience was caddying i started shagging balls at 12 years old and then actually doing loops at 13 14. um i think two things came out of that sort of how you want to be treated as a person and how not to treat it be treated as a person or treat <laughs> others as, um, From there, I grew up in the the Northeast. So it was usually, you know, the the choices post-college were kind of Manhattan or Boston. Uh, I gravitated to Manhattan coming out of New York and financial services was where I wound up, not by choice, but by need to pay back student loans. Um, Did that for a couple of years and uh, realized moving numbers around really wasn't that interesting. Or for me, I really wanted to get back to sort of the more of the startup vibe and and hospitality. So moved out to the West Coast when things were starting to, to happen in the 90s, and um, bounced back and forth between financial services and technology, largely, again, looking for a problem to solve or a problem born out of my own personal frustration that would make some sense. So did some stuff with E-Trade where we tried to automate uh, investment advice for folks that wouldn't normally be paid attention to by high-end guys uh that was a lot of fun and right around then mobile was taking off and I, I i caught the mobile bug pretty seriously um went to wells fargo and helped them sort of look at mobile payments this is like 20 years ago um to quote a paypal executive back then it was uh if you didn't mention nokia and mobile in the same sentence it was like the sun wasn't coming up which is pretty funny to think about now my children i think, think nokia is probably a electric car new electric car brand or something but Um, So there we were kicking around and that was back when the carriers had a lot of sort of strength in space and you had to work through them and it was super frustrating. Um, And we started sort of looking at who could actually move the needle without having to go through the carriers and and bypass some of the card uh, limitations and the card networks. And it always came back to one player, which was Starbucks. Um, They had grown this massive uh, prepaid card, gift card audience. And so we tried for years to get in there, and finally, at another startup when I left Wells Fargo, went to a company called M Foundry. Um, we were able to break down those those doors, find the right person who was Chuck Davidson, uh, and and convince them, and they they convinced us that uh, we could get this going. So that was when, sort of, mobile payments, merchants, all the things I'd been working on historically came together, and we were off to the races. Uh, from there, then we, you know, and and M Foundry back in the day was really focused on mobile banking and a, a bit on the merchant side. And then we spun out from there and uh, did uh, card free, which was entirely focused on the merchant side of the house and providing these solutions from from Starbucks. Then we went to Duncan, and, and Duncan's really where we saw the massive vendor fatigue that can grow in the space having to cobble together, you know, in their case, over 30 different vendors for their first mobile commerce solution. So card free really stepped back and looked at what do we do about creating sort of one throat to choke and sort of best in class solution that cuts across Quarter ahead, loyalty, payments, and all the contact-free stuff we've been doing uh, prior to COVID and obviously COVID escalated it. Sorry, long-winded answer, but that's kind of how we got here.
0: No, that's cool. So you guys have been sort of on the cutting edge of delivering these these technologies to restaurants, starting at the obviously Starbucks and Dunkin', two huge players. Uh, But then, let me ask you this question, so then, do you, do you service single unit operators as well or no? You're just like, we're only enterprise.
1: No, so we started on enterprise, You know, we did one early round and our, our goal was really to leverage um, because we're like really able to level, leverage big brands and then go down market. Um, so we did that successfully. One of our first partners was Taco Bell, um, Sonic, Dunkin, a bunch of others. And ju- about six to nine months prior to COVID, we started going down to mid-market and we're looking at symbol- single operators. Obviously, there's a big difference in sort of yeah. the level of handholding you can do yeah. um, and creating those self-service tools. So we hit the gas and the self-service tools and then COVID hit. And we sort of, as a, as a company, came together and said, what can we do to help these guys? We've, we've you know, been lucky yeah. enough um, to earn this money from the large players. Let's actually take it make these self-service tools and give it out to single operators for free during this period. And who knows how long it'll last. We still have some folks doing it for free. Um, so yeah, to, to your question, we go down to one location quite frequently. Uh, normally it's obviously not something we're making money off of, but it's, it's just trying to help them through this and sort of empower them with the same technology the big guys have.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I'm in technology too, uh, and selling into the same, we're selling to the same people. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. the difference is, is that what a lot of self, uh, what a lot of the smaller guys don't recognize is that they are, they take as much work as uh, you, selling as, uh, right. a exactly. you know, but it takes as much work as selling a Taco Bell. Like, yep. It, yep. literally, it, it's mind boggling, right? How much work you have to put into these small guys. And then you make 29 bucks a month off of them. And you're like, <laughs> man, I'm sorry. But then at the same time, I also think it's insane, too. Like, you know it's interesting because I've been reading the uh, uh, the adaptation advantage. You know, I've been mm-hmm. listening. I should say be to be accurate. I've been <laughs> listening to the adaptation advantage, and uh, you know, one of the things that I like, I've been sort of piecing together all this stuff. And one of the things I think is very interesting is that uh, you know, technology uh, has been democratized, right? Like you guys right. gave away technology to single unit operators. Uh, right. that they would usually have to pay for. But like, you know, if we go back to, let's like, say, like, 2005, right? Back, back you know, 100 years ago to 2005, 100 <laughs> technology years ago, the only people who had online ordering, right, were Pizza Hut and Domino's. And it was a right. massive technological advantage that they spent, I would assume, because I wasn't in the room, millions of dollars figuring out, right? Absolutely. How yep. can you go on to a computer? I mean, think about all the ancillary technologies that went into that. You had to have Google Maps. You had to have, or you know, mapping and all this stuff to figure out how I could type on this computer and then somehow a pizza would get to me. And now a single unit operator can have the exact same suite of technological solutions that the largest operators have. And even better
1: in a lot of cases, right? We didn't have the geolocation, we didn't have a lot of the stuff that uh, can drive sort of the curbside pickup and notifications and offers. So yeah. yeah, it's it's come so far in 10, 15 years.
0: Oh, it's insanity. And it's insanity how, well, but was really interesting about it too, I think is that it traditional competitive advantage, one of the big things that big companies could do that little companies couldn't do was they could develop in-house apps, in-house right. solutions, right? To go out and compete in the world. And so that was like when Domino's and Pizza had had that, you know, you had this clear distinction. Do I want to sit on the phone and listen to some guy with all this noise in the background trying <laughs> to get my order right? Or do I just want to go to yep. the computer and do this? And now that's gone. And then now if you talk if you were talking to a company like, oh yeah, we're developing this in house, you would like literally run because you'd be like, You don't get it. You know what I right. mean? Right. It's- Did I lose you? Nope, I hit mute accidentally. That was the <laughs> I swept my hand across my I thought
1: it was a big reveal. You were gonna you were hitting it. Oh
0: I, yeah, man. I was I was out. I was in the bathroom. Sorry. Um <laughs> uh yeah, no, so I think that's really interesting. So kind of go over some of the solutions you guys are offering uh real quick for people who who might not know your platform.
1: Sure. Um so so one thing that's important to your kind of point about how far it's come. We've got what we call a universal API and all the things I'm going to mention in the platform can, can flow across any given point of sale a, as one transaction, sure. right? So we can fire off loyalty. We can fire off your order. We can fire off the offer associated with the order in the basket. Uh, obviously your payment mechanism on file, um, all that stuff can come with it. But the primary products are order ahead, loyalty, uh, our mobile wallet products, which incorporates all the big guys you would imagine. And then and obviously credit card gifts uh, usually it covers about 90% of the gift space. And then we have our, our own CRM toolkit too for most people to log into our portal and check on things or go- how things are going. And and the guy who runs our data sciences team uh, came from Starbucks as well as well as our CTO and our chief experience officer. Um, so they'll usually work with folks depending on how much to your point handholding we want to do or can do or can afford to do. Um, but lo- like you suggested, we will we, our t- cell phones will get blown up over the weekend from a one person location looking for us to spend hours on the phone and it's 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 tough to manage but we do it um and along those lines sort of derivatives of those products were a contact contact-free products that prior to covid you know some more adventurous uh restaurants and folks that didn't think you know high touch was as big a deal uh ventured into but with covid sort of hit the gas on it and i think what they've come to see is technology actually enhances that one-to-one relationship and and High-touch doesn't mean you have to be physically touching somebody. You can actually leverage tools in between to make it safer for both the staff and the and the customer. Um, so we've got order at table, which uh, just like it sounds, right, you can scan a QR code, tap an NFC tag, open up the menu and add to an order that's already open or create an order that um, hasn't been open. We've got pay at the table, which is um, your sort of natural exit to the situation when you've got two screaming kids. Yeah. Or just, you know, uh, everybody's short staff these days don't want you don't want to wait around for 30 minutes for somebody to come and just close out your check. Same thing that can be QR code, can be NFC, could be whatever. Uh, we've got a product called text to pay, which is, is just like it sounds when phone in orders come in rather than doing that incredibly awkward dance of handing a credit card out of your car window or sure. literally literally reading it to somebody who's writing it down on a piece of paper. We send it out an sms that takes you into your bill you pay in real time you close you show up you either pop your trunk or show them something on your phone and they throw it in your car and there's there's no interaction and and that ties to the other product which is curbside pickup and you know leveraging some of the order head products so it's a lot there but uh um you know you can take any one components or the whole platform
0: well and i i've been kind of i wouldn't say calling for it but i've been like mentioning it on the podcast and some of the other things too like You know, I think a lot of people like, so we have QSR, right? You walk into a counter, you order, you pay, it could be tap or whatever. And then you sit down and then maybe someone brings it to you or they call your number. Right. And then you have, you know, fine dining. Now fine dining is going to continue to have waiters because if I'm going to spend $300 on a steak, I want someone to taste my wine and open it for, I want the whole experience. Right. And so we're going to have waiters that happen. I think the guys that are in that middle class, I'm gonna say the Denny's, the Applebee's, the, yep. uh, yeah, the Chili's, they're the ones uh, The uh, what's that? Red Robin, that's out of Colorado here too. Yep. Those yep. are the guys that are trying to figure out where does this all, like, how do we do this, right? And, yep. I, and, I, when, and I saw Ziosk and I remember looking at the Ziosk cause you mm-hmm. know, your kid's playing games and then somebody get yep. billed for some game and you're all mad. But like, I remember just looking at Ziosk going, like, this is already obsolete when it hit the table. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I just exactly. remember thinking to myself, like, why are they making these poor bastards buy all this hardware? And right. I love, I love the phone, pay at the table, order because I do believe that with especially too with all the BS with the labor going on, um, and also I mean I'll be honest, like it was hard for me to find waiters in two thousand two when we the people were right. killing it exactly. at FF James, and we were on a ninety minute wait on a Monday night. I, yep. I couldn't get waiters to show up. And they were making, you know, they were making a killing. Um, so it's like, this is such a good way because you get a cup. You can, you can cut the biggest part of your staff down and you can basically have a couple of bussers that are just clearing tables off and you can have some food runners. And right. so now you, you just took out 11 or 12 hourly employees. You took the tip mechanism out of things because you can just put a service charge on it and you know and then it's collected by the restaurant and distributed equally and it seems to me that you know if you don't need a guy at your table you know explaining the different wines and the oakiness yep. Yep. of things that this is the way to go yep. it will make everything easier in your life if you can get away with that and then you can have a manager or, or one or two you know managers that can walk over and if you have a oh, let me ask you this does your system have a, i have a question can you like push a button and then it tells somebody, hey, come out to the table? Yeah, I, so, I mean, it's very it.
1: similar to sort of the old buzzer with the Korean barbecue, yeah. right? We have the ability to, to actually yeah, ping them, have them come out. And because Perfect. again, we're integrated into the point of sale and, and we also have stamp side product, but um, it, it, can, it can alert them a number of different ways, right? We've got one that's using uh, uh, Apple watches that they're distributing for their employees and they can get a notification that way. But yeah, to your point, when this all started, we were coming in with, Competitors on the tablet side, and we're like, guys, why would you invest one hundred seventy-five bucks per unit for these things to sit on the table? I get that you're making five percent of the gaming revenue or whatever it would be, but what if you could turn your table like twenty percent faster, increase yeah. tips? But, you know, and, and what's also been interesting to your point about staff, it's been more of an augmentation than it has um, sort of a reduction of. Like yeah, we had a call a call with uh, you know some of our friends at Tortoise today, and they were like. It's just making people more efficient. Um, you know, we're not cutting anybody back. We're, we're actually loving the fact that they can sell quicker. They can turn the table faster. They're getting 7% more in tip. Like everybody's happy, right? So it's, Yeah. I think it's, it's. we'll see what happens after COVID, but it, it certainly has been a, um, a good way to sort of ease that tension of, and I think a lot of, to their benefit, a lot of diners are trying to give restaurants sort of the, the you know, the courtesy of, I understand what you're going through and, you know, stay loyal because we'd like you to be in the neighborhood when we come back. But at the same right, nobody wants to sit there for 45 minutes waiting for something or, you know, say, I, I understand you have short staff, but I also have short money because I haven't worked in nine months. Right. So, yeah, um, it's 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 easing those tensions It kind of plays this role of like customer experience and staff augmentation at the same time. It's an interesting sort of crossroads right now.
0: Well, and, you know, too, and this is something I got from one of our clients, uh, which, by the way, this is a side note. I just interviewed like two weeks ago the, C- the chief people officer from Torchies. And oh, nice. we're a big torch we're big torchies fans because we have them here in colorado yep, so yep we we eat there all the time love them um, awesome but uh the other thing that i was told from one of my qsr's uh clients is that and i'm gonna say that the app keeps you from being fat chained and you order more so checks are up
1: check, Wait, the check, app keeps you from she put averages
0: up Fat chained from being fat chained. Like, I want to order two burritos, yeah, yeah, yeah. but because you're a human being, I'm going right. to order one because that's like a more reasonable meal. But I really right. want one and a half, and I'll take half of them. So, <laughs> but when totally. you have the app, you just go, eh, I can get two. No one's going to care. They won't even know what it's for. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, right. you just because that's what they were it, finding. The that, embarrassment that, up exactly that like, yep. and they didn't and then, by the way they didn't say fat change i just tried to make it funnier but in <laughs> reality like they were just like check averages are up and they're up pretty significantly right. and we think it's because you know people just you know don't want to and they feel bad ordering a certain amount of food and so they well, stop um, themselves with a human being which they would not do with the nap right right and also think
1: about the i mean you know the torches flow because they're there in denver mellows another client of ours are there in denver but it, it, yeah you, you, you get in that line and you, you get through it um, because you're motivated by the great tacos, the great food, and then yeah. you sit down and you're like, you know, I wouldn't mind another beer because most of them obviously have bars, Yeah. but that's a completely different flow, right? So if I could just order this and have a runner bring it out to me and then they get the lift of, you know, most people don't get second drink in a lot of the situations because they don't want to stand in line. And so I think it works for yeah. everybody. It's like sure. I, I'm, as a customer, I want more, to your point, like fat shame, liquor shame, whatever it would be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and you as a, a, a operator want to make this more efficient and you know it's just that that go between t- that technology can provide and we're actually seeing a, a ton of this be mobile mobile web driven no, no, no need necessarily to have the highly customized apps of, of a Duncan or a Starbucks as back in the day because the mobile web has gotten so fast as well
0: yeah well yeah and I mean realistically you want to be a web app you don't want right. to be an actual app app because it's such a pain especially Apple is such a pain in the butt it's just God uh, I no know. comment, right? Uh, well, yeah, I, no, no. I hear you. Apple, everything in my house is Apple. And I and I love you as a consumer, but to develop for you is painful. Yep. And you it purposely is. make it painful and you're doing it on purpose, and you're a bunch <laughs> of jerks for doing it. So anyway, I'm just saying, as you know, I I have spent 18 months of the last five years just doing things on Apple that I was able to do on Chrome in the browser in days it is yep. like literally ridiculous so I, I could I could sit here and complain about that for 20 hours. okay cool so you guys are out there you guys are have this white labeled platform so I want to make sure I understand this so I'm yep. I'm Tommy I own uh, 20 units of this I've got a normal register. And I never yep. really had a web presence or online ordering presence before. I can literally come to you, get all the products that I need to now be competing with the big guys, the, the mobile head. All that stuff's going to integrate in. What is the implementation on this looking like, just out of curiosity? So it kind of depends on the products that part of the stack that you take, right? So if it's something sure. where we're
1: integrated at the point of sale, it's uh, days, Yeah. worst case weeks, right? So it depends on the state of the menu and some of the APIs, as you would imagine. Yeah. Um, if it's somebody like we've got a partnership with Coke where we're um, going out in partnership for order ahead and some of the other products for SMBs that are one to five locations, sure, and literally have nothing, right? So they 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 can literally just send take a picture of their menu and send it to us, and we'll essentially Mechanical Turk their menu in. That's again, you know, hours or days. Um, if it's something sure. like text to pay, it can be it can be hours max. Um, sure. If it's the full-blown hey i want a custom loyalty program that nobody's ever thought of and yeah i need native apps and i need that's when it gets out of hand right and That that becomes months
0: yeah and for those people who are doing stupid stuff like that like you need to <laughs> talk to a tech person because you're the the value you're going to create I, i'm nine times out of ten the value you're going to create from doing this thing so much more complicated is yep. going to be erased by the maintenance of it. And are you really going to get that insight that no one else has? And if you are good, then you should do it. But I would
1: right. say, just it. well, if you remember the Taco Bell loyalty program that we were involved in from six yeah. or seven years ago, you know, after, you know, I, I won't even say how much money and how much time, but um, a lot of people, you know, it was, it was a game and a puzzle that nobody knew what would unlock and <laughs> what. And it was supposed to be surprise and delight. And uh-huh. uh, by the time you got to the end of it, there was very little delight and very much anger and uh, nobody knew why <laughs> why they did it. So I think, yeah, the, 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 the key here is like these days, it's efficiency and creating some value add in my sort of daily life. Right. And uh, if you're not doing that, you can have the best, best crazy loyalty program in the world out there. I'm not I'm not participating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with the loyalty program, what I want is. And I mean, I eat out all the time. What I, Chick-fil-A's is great because you go on there, you have your points, you just pick what thing you want for free on that current menu. They scan it, take it right off. It's like so easy. Like, that's what I want. Like, I don't need, I don't want a bunch of emails. I don't want a bunch of emails. I don't want a bunch of things. Oh my God, our guest got hit by a train. Is that a train?
1: No, sorry. My uh, speakerphone (laughs) seems to be acting up, which is odd. Sorry about that. Oh,
0: that's okay. I thought you were like out by the. We truck serve trains too. Yeah. No, we we do the dining rooms and trains too. Have to, nice. You have to be out with your customers to understand the problems. I understand, man. That that's a good point. They, uh, yeah, you just went simple and easy, like, because the problem with technology is, is that when we make it too complicated, no one uses it. It becomes shelfware right. uh, for the end user, not just for the company, right? The company struggles with it too. But when the, when something gets too you know and especially like you and i we're both in technology so we instantly see why am i going in this rabbit hole of clicks you know what i mean right like right. whereas maybe an end user just keeps going i guess i got to do this but we're looking at it from an intelligent design perspective going no no there's something going on here like why am i being taken down this rabbit hole of oh I mean, and I'm, and I, sometimes i just put my phone down like, i'm done i I've yeah. stopped not buying I, from you now.
1: i always come back to the whole nfc scenario right so that 20 years ago when i was at wells and we were we were talking to banks from japan that had been doing nfc for transit forever oh this is definitely where it's going to be there's no there's no, and and when we did starbucks people sort of mocked us for it was originally qr code then it had to become pdf 417 because target used different scanners long winded story but um yeah. and i get back to like we're 20 years past that now people are embracing qr codes and they're they're spinning it like it's new technology and it's just the funniest thing it's like it was always the lowest common denominator, but people didn't even think folks could understand that. Right. It's like, I think people, once they get through the experience once and they understand the efficiency and what it brings to their life and the speed and everything else are more than happy to adopt new technology. It's not that hard, especially with, you know, outside of your Apple stuff, um, (laughs) you know, how much easier it's gotten to actually integrate to and not have to go through all these third parties.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm always amazed when somebody just takes Apple Pay and it works, and I'm just like so happy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep, I'm just yep. That was so pleasant, because like one day I forgot my wallet, and I was yep. starving, but then like I went on my phone, and I figured out that Chick-fil-A took Apple Pay, so I went to a Chick-fil-A and You're got in. food because I didn't have my wallet, or I this is really what happened to me the other day. Yep. I like tried to get through the whole wells fargo experience but they changed their atms and how they work with their phones and then i and i finally got some cash and then i went over to the gas station i could just tap my phone to the gas pump absolutely like, oh my god thank you because so many oh, times I've, i tried to do that and it didn't work and i'm like yeah you know i've
1: created a whole ecosystem where i don't travel outside of this bubble unless i can use my phone in one way or another but yeah it's <laughs> i mean for our for our text to pay product right now i think it's just below 70 percent of people opt either apple pay or google pay and and you get it right who wants to enter their address who wants to enter their credit card again like it just makes yeah. total sense and in yeah. grocery and everything else when we were going through all this craziness so who wants to touch something like the yeah. worst is when they they actually accept apple pay but because of the restrictions with the card networks you still have to pick up and sign something or touch something i'm like wait wait this takes the whole point out walgreens used to have that like four-step process where you used apple pay but they wanted to get you in their loyalty program you're like you guys are missing the whole point here
0: yeah it's nuts all right well we've done question number one look at that so let's move on to question number two (laughs) i told you this was easy and very like low format (laughs) what is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now
1: uh big product or initiative so i mean i think it's really just enhancing and hardening everything we've done and talked about um in this podcast but to date around order ahead the contact free stuff and then to the earlier question, really taking this down down market to the self-service and, and minimizing how much we need to be involved, if at all, uh, hopefully down the road. Yeah. And then taking that out to, you know, we've, we've had some fun with, uh, as I mentioned, uh, theme parks and hotels. And hotels have been really interesting for us, for the boutique hotels that have really nice restaurants and a couple of different brands. Um, we've seen like food ordering from the room go up 70% in one case. and. There seems to be a lot of untapped uh, ventures in that, as well as grocery. So I think restaurants have been sort of how we got here, um, but it's now looking stepping back at that and looking at that. I think the other component of this, um, and you know, we talked about it from sort of an IT perspective and what the Pizza Huts Domino's could do to the world with all that investment. What we're also just seeing at the beginning of scratching the surface on is this data. Um, the data yeah. we get because we're integrated into the point of sale is insane, right? We see every transaction. And because we're not a third party delivery engine or because we're not, I'll say it again, an Apple or a Google yeah. uh, and trying to mine that data for our own evil uses, we're there as a white label solution for the brand. They can do whatever they want with it and learn from it. And, you know, again, through our data science team, they can they can work with them and come up with sort of automated programs or, you know, literally physically come into the portal and say, wow, look at this When It's over 90 degrees. If you get an iced coffee, you're 10 times more likely to get the chocolate croissant than you are the blah, blah, blah. So I think that we're just at the beginning of the journey of, and that's going to sure. only get more interesting. Even the Duncan's of the world have a limited marketing team on how can how far they can dive into that data. Um, so you can imagine an operator with you know one or two locations, a couple of people like it's it's as much as we can do to help them there is massive for them.
0: Well, and and just for you know restaurants in general are are all your customers and my customers too. This is all about data. Right? Mm-hmm. Like what we're doing, like what you're doing is you're facilitating a different sales channel in the respect of you're just making the sales channel more convenient, really, right? Right. We've right. always had call ahead, we've always had someone sitting in the restaurant ordering food. Those sales channels are how restaurants work you have call ahead, delivery, and in person. Those are the three sales channels. And all you guys are doing is making it easier to do and more efficient, um, you know, uh, for people, making it quicker, blah, 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 blah the whole point of this is the data, and looking at the data and understanding it because the next battleground in restaurant competition is everybody's got ordering and delivery and everybody can has access to getting an app and all these things. The next big battleground in the world is how do you operate better with data? Because that's something that is variable. And also how good of an organization can you build that can look at data and make data driven decisions, right? Right. And right. Um, one of the things that I'm I'm putting out this whole blueprint to running better operations, and, and I'm writing it all up right now. But one of the things that I'm going to make a big point of is that in the past, it was always a luxury, right? And when I say the past, I mean, 2015. And, and before, really, I mean, like, because really 2007 and before, but like, you know, it was a luxury when you got to make a data driven decision, like you somehow for some reason, got all this data together. And it actually gave you insights into making a decision, right? Oh, my gosh, I actually I can back I can figure out this now because I can see the actual what people are doing. But and I'm saying from today on, because it's really it's today, even though not everyone's taking advantage of it. But moving into the future from today on a data driven decision isn't going to be a luxury, it's going to be a requirement. Because you are going to start getting stomped by your competition who have built the muscles in their organization to be able to collect, analyze, and make informed decisions faster. That's going to be the new competitive advantage moving in the forward. I think in the adaptation advantage, they said that like the only real a competitive advantage in the future will be your ability to adapt quickly to changes and what's happening, like yeah. because everything's becoming so democratized. So that ability to make a data driven decision. Every time you go, Oh, well, Bob's been doing it like this way for 30 years. So let's just go with what Bob said, because he had the strongest personality in the meeting, versus <laughs> looking at like Sally, who's the data scientist, who's like, Oh, uh, uh, over here, this is actually what it's saying. And you go with Bob, because you know, whatever, then you're you're gonna like waste a bunch of money and time and miss the boat and your competitors not, and they're gonna incrementally grow their business ahead of you. And then all yep. of a sudden it's just gonna flow. So- Very, very money ball of you. No, oh, thank you. But you know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah. where it's all going. So like the data that you guys are pulling, that's the real value in this.
1: Well, and I mean, to, to your point,
0: can,
1: yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. I was just going to say to your point, I mean, obviously, they, everyone's been taking calls. Everybody's used to seeing these folks. And, you know, maybe if it was super high touch and you were super frequent, they'd know your name. But you were largely anonymous, particularly if you were calling in an order. Right. So, yeah. I mean, just starting at the very basics of what we do with folks, we're getting their mobile number. And I don't mean that in a creepy way. And and if you provide services, they are more than happy to provide their name, their birth date, their, you know, if they're going to get a free whatever. Um, sure. Sure. Bolo cafe like they're their the amount of data they will give you is is relatively endless as long as you keep providing that service and, and that efficiency and um it only creates and and now that there's enough sort of learnings through the duncans and the starbucks of, of the world and the chick fil as and everybody else that's done it well it'll only create that much more brand loyalty but also that much more a sharing between because you're getting smarter about my flavor profile you know that if you're going to have a happy hour with uh, absolute vodka that I've ordered absolute drinks the last three times I've been in there. I'm going to be psyched that you're, you're giving me 20% off of the first couple of drinks for free or whatever it would be. So it's, it's just, it works on both sides of the equation, but it's, it's, it's amazing how just that one small step of, Hey, you were anonymous to me before I recognize your face. You're in here all the time, but I have no idea who you are, but now I can market directly to something that's sitting in your pants. Again, not to sound creepy, um, yeah. but um, it's with you at all times, that's, that's a, complete game changer for these small operators
0: well and and i think too our relationship with these tech companies is a relationship right right and it should be treated like a relationship and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be one-sided on either way right like and as much as like so it's like i'm a restaurant And like you said, like, I'm asking you, like, you want to order this stuff from me, and I want to give it to you. And if we both like each other, then we can kind of share a little bit more. I will do more for you if you give me a little bit more information about yourself. What I think the privacy guys are worried about, um, and which I fully agree with, by the way, is when you don't have a relationship with somebody, but yet they're tracking everything that you do. And I think Apple's doing a good job say so, yeah, i'm going back on apple i feel like they're doing a good job of trying to expose what's yeah, actually sure. happening in the background for you and let you decide how much you want to give right yeah. like like i oftentimes will let people use bluetooth because i think that they just change something in their api and i have to do that but then i don't let them send me notifications because i i try to keep my phone as invasive as possible so i'm not constantly being sucked out of my my stream of thought into fixing something. Right. But like, right. um, but yeah, so I think it is a relationship and, and you know, and you know, you're only going to be in relationships with so many things or people right. or platforms, you know what or I mean? Brands. Yep. Exactly. So when you have that relationship I and mean, I think the brands are like, Hey man, if you click yes to this, then I can like make some suggestions. And if you don't like them, click here and turn it off and Hey, we're good. Right. 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 But that's what it's coming down to, because that's where all this data is going, is just being more better at what we do. Right. And especially, too, because, you know, one of the big reasons the POS, like the big thing that people cite for the POS was obviously it gave the big brands the ability to track what the hell people were selling so they could get their royalties. I mean, let's be honest, that was the initial, hey, we got to do this better, right? We need to be able right. to see what all these McDonald's are selling. So we're getting our seven or 10%. So that's right. what really pushed POS is. And then, you know, and then the, the second part of the POS that was a big deal was the, um, you know, your sales, what are you, what are people actually buying? It was so much right. easier to track, you know, while we're yep. selling a lot more big Macs than this. And now you guys are just taking that 10 steps further because you know, because we're time dates. Because when you had that data, for instance, in 1980 with the micros, then you didn't know what the weather was at that location right. at that time. Right. But now we do because we have all these APIs, right? So we know it was hot
1: yeah. or it was it raining. Was, at, at best, it was end of day. Usually, end of week. Right?
0: That people will be yeah. reviewing
1: that, knowing this is all absolutely happening in real time and and can be changed. Yeah. I mean, just like very back to torches, like very basic. You know how uh, given you are an eater of it how customized you can make things there, right? But yeah. but because of that, and because of the freshness of their food and everything else, they, they will run out of condiments, they will run out of modifiers. Um, so being able to manage inventory efficiently in real time and proactively message out to people versus them getting there and being like, you know, what the F, I always have the trashy taco and now it's not, you know, or I can't, or like just the simple sort of communication back and forth has been I think an eye opener for folks, particularly as they go through all this, this mess. Um, and, and sort of, again, push and pull, like I know you guys are going through a tough time, but if you could could have let me know that my group order wasn't actually going to have half the things in it when, before I got here, that's kind of a huge help for me.
0: Oh yeah. Cause so much of it is communication and disappointment. And like, it just, you know, as an example, uh, you know, my wife ordered from, they ordered from Torchies. I'm gonna say it, I don't care. They ordered from Torchies that Saturday night and they got the wrong order and they had gluten-free people and spicy people. And I think Mm. there was two tailors and they just handed the wrong bag to the wrong delivery driver. But like, you know, and and then they comped it and they left them the food. But you know, when everyone's like, holy heck, I can't eat this, it's too spicy. But it's like those kinds of things, like the communication part of things like, you get your expectations up for something and I'm the worst. I'm the biggest baby in the world about this. And I lose my mind because also I ran very high end restaurants and, and right. high volume restaurants. And I know that it just takes another minute of reading something or 10 seconds to confirm something. And then right. you, you, you don't have the problem. So it literally makes me like, I start screaming. I throw a tantrum. I mean, I'm like a baby. It's a horrible, <laughs> like my wife gets so mad at me. You're ruining the meal. I'm sorry you didn't get your spring rolls from Payway, but you don't have to ruin the meal for everyone else. That's all I wanted was those stupid spring rolls and they didn't go right. to it. And then they're always right. like, just try back and come and get them. That's not the point. Yeah, one you know? wants to do that, totally. Yeah, but like, yeah, so going back to that, like it's just being able to understand that and communicate it proactively, hey, we're out of that. And then instead of people getting there and being disappointed, they can be yep. disappointed, but they can solve their problem and it doesn't make them wait 20 extra minutes. And that's a huge thing because a lot of this is based on convenience, right? Exactly. So yep. when you suck the convenience away, then now you just irritated me because I did everything I was supposed to do and you dropped the ball. You yep. know what I mean? And that's yep. now it's it went from it's your fault, where it says, Hey, can we can fix this for you reasonably? We just don't have it. I'm sorry. What can we do instead? It's so much a better experience.
1: Oh, we have we have a couple of breweries on the East Coast that do uh, it's a little frightening between eight and nine thirty the majority of their pickup business. and same thing yeah. the line will stretch you know a mile too long. you're sitting there for forty five minutes and they're you know it's very passionate about their beer and you get up there after all that time and they're out and they've been out for thirty yeah. minutes but they had no way to know and you're sitting in cars so now you're pissed and you yeah. your expectations are out you you're bitter at the brand, you're bitter at the experience. you're bitter at everybody, right? and and so, what they're doing is obviously leveraging the platform to let them know, like, you know, 15 minutes left on this, you know, this beer is still available if you want this. And that just in the three or four weeks that it's been out in one of these locations, there, like, it's unbelievable how less frequently we get yelled at in a day and how the, you know, the, the shifting of this responsibility back to them and sort of the, the open communication has made just a, a world of difference.
0: Well, yeah, because if they don't have the beer you want, you just pull out of the line and go buy right. it at the you're liquor done. store down the street. But at least right. you got what you wanted, and you didn't have to wait 45 minutes to get there. That makes some pretty right. sense. Right. I, I, as you're talking, I'm like thinking about our business because we're, we're playing with notifications a little bit right now. And I'm like, it's always notifications are such a double edged sword to me. Yep. you know, yep. Because you notify people and then they don't take any action, then you didn't really move the needle, but then also it's such a comfort thing for people to get notifications, but then also they get them and delete them. Like it doesn't make any sense. Or if
1: you're you're abusing it, right? And just using it just to notify, right? For your own marketing purposes, that drives people insane too, right? If you're getting three things a day from your local Starbucks, you know, you're like, guys, really, do I need that? Was it, was it gonna do anything in my day? So yeah, cool. it's, and it's hard for some marketing staff to pull back on that. But it's gotta be something, again, that's useful and efficient in your day and actually providing some sort of benefit.
0: Well, and then once again, it goes back to a relationship. Are we having yep. an actual relationship together Then in a relationship I care about the other person? And I don't want to piss them off, so I signed up for Arctic. because you know the new thing now online is you sign up and you put in your email address, then they ask you for your phone number, and if you do those two things, and it's the same button everywhere. Oh, so you don't want to get twenty five percent off Arctic coolers? <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Like it'll say like that on the bottom, and you're like, okay, cool. So
1: irritating, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So I now I'll sign up for everything just so if I'm going to go browse because I want the coupon, but if I don't decide to buy, then I just unsubscribe from everything, but. Yeah. Arctic, like I just unsubscribed for Arctic yesterday because I probably got like, and I probably did this the week before uh, Memorial Day, but they were having huge cooler sales, right? And I was just trying to look at a couple of different coolers. And I mean, I probably got 30, like 70% off texts from them. And it was like, so I just finally was like, dude, I get it. I know you're trying to move some coolers, but I can't be notified every eight minutes that they're 70% off.
1: Right. And it's a cooler. So I'm probably (laughs) only getting one of them for you know. Exactly. so do I need to know every day that you've got something going on? Yeah. yeah.
0: And then they sold out of the ones I wanted. They only had a tan one left, but I didn't even really want it, so I didn't get it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Question number three, what is the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you up at night? Uh, you know, For
1: us, as, as you would imagine, right, it's because it is real time and if something goes down, there's a lot of different hops between what we're doing, between whether it's the point of sale or the payment provider or whatever it would be. It's, it's really, you know, literally keeping us up at night is the, the transactions are going through. Right. What um, sure. we don't, we, what we don't ever want to be is is something that's causing operations to be less efficient. That's our, our biggest nightmare. And thankfully knock on wood uh, hasn't happened to date um, that. And I guess the, the, you know, you mentioned it before, but, sort of the ongoing POS wars that unless you're an operator or somebody who's in the space, you don't really understand the kind of onus these guys, the pound of flesh these guys take on their operators and the controlled environment, even for the quote unquote open, you know, cloud-based yeah. point of sales that have rolled out, half of them have now gone to the three letter acronym model that I won't say that starts with N and ends with R, yeah. but uh, <laughs> of, of closing the, the doors and not, you know, letting the merchant actually provide or get technology from the best third party solution they can. So working with around and in between those guys is, is one of our biggest sort of nightmares and ongoing sort of, uh, uh, consternations, but, uh, that, yeah, that, and just making sure obviously we're, we're enabling and keeping things efficient for the operators is probably the two biggest.
0: Well, it's funny because as a similar note, so my old neighbor, uh, he was working for visa and his client was they did this one payment platform thingy i don't remember exactly what it did but he has a visa they had been acquired but then his big client was wells fargo sure. uh, and he literally uh, ended up having to quit and he ended up going back later but he couldn't take the stress because well people don't have to understand too like the payment network is like like a caveman rolling like a square down a hill, like a square rock. Like it's ridiculously <laughs> right. stupid. And yep. it's, I mean, and part of it has to be massively controlled, right? Because that's how they protect themselves from fraud. But then yep. there's just so many intermediary players and all this stuff. And it is, you know, and if one guy changes an API and doesn't right. tell everybody else and do the proper change control, then it can literally break everybody's stuff. Because data, everybody's getting an error when they try to connect.
1: And yeah, then, we're we're usually sitting in the middle of all that, right? So we become, yeah. in a lot of ways, the mobile commerce IT team outsource and gluing yeah. together all these different APIs usually flows through us. We're the natural sort of glue for that stuff and yeah so I mean what we've had to work on the last four or five years is just alerting and being able to frankly prove who's causing the issue because every point of sale in the world will say it's not their issue and 99% of the time it turns out to be payment networks are are sort of that one percent but yeah it's 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 a nightmare sitting between all that stuff and trying to actually get people to be accountable and responsive especially when you're again you're dealing with somebody the size of the payment network or the point of sale right they've gotten to a size where they literally we'll even tell our larger brands like, yeah, we'll join the call when we can in a few hours. So like we're losing hundreds of thousands of transactions. Yeah. Well, that's not our problem.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I could see, I know who I think you're probably referring to <laughs> gigantic tech company that just bought like a $2 billion PLS company a couple years ago Yeah. that yeah. Um, wasn't known for customer service for their, energy. yeah, they're used to working with like the biggest companies in the world. So when he, they tell you Taco Bell, who is a ginormous restaurant company, but is not even close to being GE who they work with you know what i mean right. they're like oh, no, sorry guys sorry your chalupas aren't getting out but uh you know our customer <laughs> we're, we're having another one of our big meetings so we all have to sit there um yeah i know those guys are. um okay yeah that makes sense i totally get it we're so like that's like the opposite for us like one of the nice things about our platform is is uh you know we're not like mission critical for sales. So, you know, right. if we were to right. go down, which we haven't, thank God, knock on wood, just like you said, um, which we, if we happen to go down, like people can still function, right? But when sales can't happen, phone calls are being made. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. And especially like these big franchisors, you got a guy who's got 200 Taco Bells. He's a $250 million a year company. He has a lot of sway over there. So when yep. he picks up the phone and goes, hey guys, i just lost, five hundred thousand dollars then they pick up the phone and you know what I mean like it it's real so oh, it's, it's kind of I mean we had uh aforementioned uh
1: Mexican taco thousands yeah. of locations partner in our first year uh sponsor if you remember uh, if you stole second base everybody gets a free taco. Unfortunately oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't think to tell us that they were running this promo so nobody <laughs> ever done a nationwide free product via mobile. And I can I can tell you they fried about every server we had and took down all of our partners, you know. And that's the kind of thing that you you know, you, you first couple of years in you don't think can yeah. you can't you can't exceed what you did with Starbucks, right? But Starbucks never did a free offer for everybody in the country, so you can, you yeah. constantly have to be looking at okay, we think we're here, but we actually have to be ready for forty to fifty to sixty percent more depending on what happens. And you know, it's it's always that kind of looking down the road to this is such a new medium. There's no, there's no predicting how people are going to adopt these things.
0: Well, and you don't know, like the, the marketing team never thought to tell you. And like, they just right. assume, cause they're not technical. They just assume this thing can surge. Right. Right. And whenever you want, like this is, they, it's so amazing to me. Like I, just in general. And I, I constantly get amazed about like how the world actually is working and like, you know, like I ordered this thing and then some guy like in China made it for me and then it sat on a boat and it came here. <laughs> and like, there's all these actual constraints to things that you don't, because we you live don't in such a in magical account. world. Yeah. So like yeah. when COVID hit and then all those boats were stuck in, you know, and uh, uh, whatever Long Beach Harbor. yep, And all of a sudden you're not getting your stuff. And you're like well why it's magic i push this button on the screen and then i'd say right. come in here you right. said it it's was just that
1: i don't order something and get it the same day all right if yeah. it's the next day i'll forgive you but two days i mean come that, on
0: like this is really sitting on a boat because they are wearing masks and they're not letting as many carts through but you're you're serious like i'm not getting this <laughs> thing that i paid for it's literally physically sitting on a boat right now and it right. just magically can't get here the uh so Colorado is a huge biking state and me and my wife are are training for this big race. You know, it's so a, we basically, my bike's my new sailboat, which I don't have a sailboat, but I'm literally dumping money into it like a sailboat. Yeah. And uh, the bike store is empty. Every bike in there is sold. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and yeah. they have three bike stores and this chain and i don't know if the lady the manager was telling me the other day if it was for her store alone or for the three stores they're eight thousand bikes back ordered right now oh my and god and t- taiwan can't make the bikes fast enough they can't get any you know it's china and taiwan i think is where most of this stuff's coming to them. i believe it might be shimano has just yep. hit a wall where they just got they got sacked by covid the shutdowns they weren't open and then now they are just so far behind but to hear that, like these are three like like bike shops. They're not like this. Not a conglomerate on it's not dicks bikes. You know, it's not like this giant yeah, yeah. thing. Three bike shops, eight thousand bikes. And know you think bikes is probably minimum a thousand bucks, right? So yeah, anything outdoor, right? Uh,
1: all the yard yeah. sales, everything, and and even now there's chip shortages for all the high end cars, BMW, Porsche. All, yeah. all of those guys are just, just sitting there twiddling the. Th- and yeah, it it's been remarkable how everything's been crippled by that that one particular bottleneck that nobody had anticipated, but also driven massive amounts to business to folks who were sort of ready for it but yeah. um not not consumers didn't realize how important being outdoors or whatever would be to would be to their lives during this so it's it's been interesting
0: yeah it's crazy okay so we got that one hey number four yeah. what is the one thing you thought your industry would be doing right now that it isn't
1: you thought the industry would be doing so. No I, wait couple? What
0: did you think that your industry would be doing right now that it isn't like there's something that you're like, I don't know how we're not doing this, but somehow we are,
1: you know? Um, I think one of the bigger ones again would be point of sale and taking back uh, control of your destiny. Right. I, I thought four or five years ago that was kind of over like outside of the massive change that just couldn't, couldn't change quick enough. Yeah. Um, but we've seen, you know, it, it, it's it's an interesting hole. It's only, you know, I don't know what, what industry equate it equated to, but it's almost like gift cards. But the the progression of the the death of those point of sales has been largely overrated. Um, but it's it's you know a five to ten percent tick they're seeing to the cloud guys, which again may not be the best solution. And I think the other thing that we saw pre COVID sort of people questioning a lot of dying down and trying to be clever about was leveraging their own staff for things like delivery versus the third party delivery guys. And then COVID yeah. kind of blew that up because there was a panic going on. Right. So sure. And people were willing to sign up for 20 or 30% coming off their, their already beat down margins. Um, so I think we're going to see that people be more clever about that going forward and that will change, but it's, it's, it's been sad and disheartening on any, and you always saw it again on the financial services side more from like the underbanked and how some of the card networks would take advantage of them with high, high APRs. We've kind of seen that yeah. same sort of thing happen to restaurants during COVID. It was like, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll give you, you know, 30 days free, but then it's going to 30% and you can't go anywhere else for two years or some of the order ahead providers. Oh yeah, we'll sign you up for free, but we own the data. And you know, should you switch like the credit card data and files ours? So it's just it's it's sad to see but I think the bigger point to the question is point of sale whether it's third party delivery it's it's really these guys taking ownership of their their future and their destiny when it comes to technology and and being able to own that data and it's just hasn't happened as as efficiently as I'd hoped by this point.
0: Yeah, I think that uh You know, you go, you you go to the national restaurant show, which we haven't been to for two years, but Mm -hmm. you go to the national restaurant show and you can't spit without hitting a POS provider. Right. Like it's literally like everybody and their brothers trying to get these POSs. And what you really need is almost like an Android POS and open source POS that you just kind of, maybe you could get because you're right. These guys, they rope you in. And I mean, and I, I like, I, I, I like, I've seen like some really nice rebel and I've seen some really nice like square that kind of look like the squares, you know, and those are all nice things, but like, you're right. You're, you're, you're given a pound of flesh for these guys and they try to make it cheap and they give you a lot of hardware, but it ain't nothing free. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and it's almost like, let me ask you this question. Could you completely use your product as a PLS? Could you so yeah, we have a... and just print uh, tickets. Yeah, and we're doing
1: that in some cases where that, like, particularly in hotels, there are a couple of big players that are making it extremely like. If you want to work with a third party software player for any of the contact free stuff, oh yeah, your license is going to go up six figures a year, right? Just ridiculous. Like, and they're not doing any new work because we're doing the integrations. So in those cases, we've built a, a stand beside product. Um, now that stand beside product at one of the theme parks we're working with is is going to be the core product. We won't provide the hardware, but we've got partners on the tablet side and the other hardware component sides that will. And uh, a lot of them are are biting the bullet. They never would have done it before just because, you know, uprooting, you know, transactions, everything else in the middle of all this. But they're closed already right now or or largely close to close. So why not bite the bullet and actually control our destiny?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, because if because I mean the POS, because, you know. I'm trying to think of the way they put it like if there's like 10 seniors who don't have a phone who then I'm sorry, then comp them the ticket and say, Hey, this is our Goodwill marketing for the month. I'm sorry that you don't have a mobile phone and you can't pay, but you know, right. Right. But 99.99% of the other people can. And if you didn't have to have a POS system, then there's no integration, right? You just have a straight web form to a printer and you print the tickets and all the mods are already in there anyways so it seems to me that you guys could if you wanted to just go get rid of your legacy pls and do everything mobile yeah
1: and and even like epson's got some interesting products right in the cloud where you can you can actually intercept the transaction um directly to the printer and again you don't need that heavy point of sale integration to get it done and we're doing that in a couple of hotels and restaurants as well
0: Sure. I think, uh, I think one of our big clients is implementing some Epson stuff right now for like, the tickets, like ticket screens and stuff. So, yeah. Yep. Um, that makes sense. yeah. All right. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, I guess we'll go to question number five. It's my okay. war story question. So I want you, and you kind of gave us some, but I want a good one. Like, I mean, not that those weren't good, but like, I want like cringeworthy war story, funny can't believe we lived through it type of thing. you know. And you might have already given it to me with your free with yeah, the, yeah. the taco thing. But.
1: That was close. It was around the same time and around the same brand. Uh, so we had just formed as a company. I think we we had announced. Um, people knew the background of a lot of our team. And we got invited into an RFP that had already closed for, again, a yeah. giant brand with thousands of locations. And, of course, we're going to do everything we can to win it, right, because getting a big client right out of the gate is the most important thing in the world. So what they challenged, the RFP had gone on for, I think it was six months and they had, you know, the consulting groups, all the big guys in there. They had um, giant brands like the IBMs of the world. They also had other order head players. They said, all right, this is what we're gonna do because we don't believe you guys are real. We're gonna give you a week to do an end-to-end integration into our point of sale um, and, you know, see a transaction go through for an order. And we accepted the offer, um, spent the next seven days, hold up. Uh, in a tiny little stinky room in San Francisco at a Regis and um, plowing through it, plowing through it, we'd go down there the night before, all night or just as you would imagine, servers go down at about 5 a.m. and we get everything back up and running about six, the meeting's at eight. Um, things, we got a transaction to go through at about eight, you know, eight transactions to go through rather than before the eight o'clock meeting and we, and we walked over there. And as we enter the building, we're like, where, where are we going? And it's, oh, down to the basement. That's where we do all our presentations. We start looking around at each other. Like, obviously this is an online transaction. We're like, do we need to be nervous about this? I don't know. So we go down there. Oh, no. 75 people. They had a, they had commissioned all their vendors to come in. They all got a vote and all the franchisees. Uh, 75 people in this room. And it, it's literally a bunker. Not a window to be seen. You know, we're good 20 feet down. And we're all firing up all our instruments and nothing is working. And uh, we're looking at it, it's Sen, who's our CTO, We're looking at each other, it's Sen does not panic uh, to his credit. Like even when I was a vendor to Starbucks and we'd be in the middle of the night and transactions crashing, he would never raise his temperature. So his blood pressure was probably, you know, even 110. I'm at like 180, I'm sweating. Uh, <laughs> and I looked to one of our founders, I'm like, dude, you gotta you got run a Radio Shack, you got no choice. He's like, it's, it's not even eight o'clock, Radio Shack isn't open. And so he pulls up his thing. He's like, there's one, two miles away. I'll get there. And I, I was just knocking the door. Somebody's got to be there. It's 15 minutes before they open. Like, somebody's got to be there. He takes off. Uh, Sen starts doing a, a song and dance. Like, hey, it would be great if we could do intros. And, and of course, we look at 80 <laughs> people. And everybody's like, wait, what? And he's like, well, if, even if we're not individual to individual, can we do, like, group by group? You know, so we wasted a good 15 minutes just doing the, the tap dance. Our founding member comes booking in. he's got, you know, a new, his own little hotspot hook it up, set it up, and uh, we ended up pulling it off. And it was only, we didn't know this beforehand, but they had given everybody else months. They gave us a week and we were the only ones, even after all that time, that did an end-to-end transaction. So we actually won the business. It It was awesome, but it literally took, I think, probably five to 10 years off all our lives that were in that room for that extended period of time oh
0: my gosh because there, there's no wi-fi there's no lte there's yeah. no yeah there's Nothing. no signal and they didn't even offer an ethernet cable no nope. didn't tell us anything didn't tell us so
1: they were like oh this was a bad room to do this and normally we do that upstairs where we have wi-fi we're like so so did you just totally game this so we would lose like anyway it was it was hilarious but it ended up being probably the the most motivational moment for those first couple of years so it was great
0: well and i mean you know I, for those of you that are just listening to this, demos are like the most dangerous, the demos and pilots, and we've been having huge conversations about this internally at our, our, our company, especially around pilots, not so much demos. The right. right. platform works really good. But demos and pilots for a software vendor are like uh, playing Russian roulette with these <laughs> deals. Yeah, And like <laughs> IBM, so we used to, my last company prior to this company, um, was a workflow consultancy. And so we were in the Semantic Partner channel and, and I did huge projects, by the way, for Wells Fargo and Visa and the World Bank and yeah. all these people. And, uh, but like IBM had this big workflow product and they would come out and demo it. And the guy literally was playing a YouTube video. Like he would hit play <laughs> and yep. then he would like, he would have a video on the screen and then he'd be like, look, I'm moving my mouse over here, but he wasn't really doing it. It was just had been done because they couldn't actually demo the platform like live. Because right, the chances right. of a breaking, because it was so complex, oh, the right. chances of a breaking were so huge that you know, an error message in a demo, nine times out of ten, you just lost that deal. You right. might be able to pull it back, but you're, you know, you better be quick on your feet and you'd be like, oh, I know why I changed this setting. Go change it and get it to run really quickly, which yeah. requires an incredible amount of like luck and focus for that end user. Um, to be able to pull that off live. Right. So yeah, right. they did. They totally tried to screw you. And RFPs, by the way, stop doing RFPs, you dirtbags. Like it's ridiculous. Like <laughs> everyone's wasting all this time. throwing out your stupid spreadsheet with a bunch of questions and it is job is to say no. And so they rigged the RFPs to say no. And the RFP right. is always right. written by the guy you want. And you're not, all you're doing is wasting everyone's time and money. You know how often does an RFP? I go to you. You write the RFP. How often do you lose that RFP? The only right. time you lose that is when they bring in a low cost leader and they come down so far that the big company can't do it. You know, that's the only yep. time you can ever win an RFP. That's so stupid. Like, I mean, that's just- the
1: one nice thing of, of during this last period that nobody had time for RFPs. But man, it is the yeah. giant. We we have a we have a, a data room filled of. You know one of the burger players i think it was 76 pages of questions and you know year and a half later we're answering we're still answering and replying to these questions they still haven't made a decision it's it's just such a giant time suck it's such a waste of time
0: like because truthfully i don't think it adds any real value if it added value i'd be fine with it but it's always rigged And it's always a gigantic waste of time. And the bulk of the questions are written from people who don't understand what the, like they're always either written with the help of a vendor who's trying to write the questions in a way that puts you to their platform, which means you're not getting an honest read of what the technology should be doing. If you're gonna have a vendor help you write the RFP, then have the top three vendors each write the RFP and merge it together. But don't just have one vendor write it and then expect yep, everybody else point. to kind of like figure it out, right? Like, yep. yeah, because they're going, "Hey, Betamax is the does yours use Betamax?" Because beta's got much higher resolution and quality. Yeah, but everyone else is using VHS, dude. Betamax is like eighty-two, right? Like that technology's dead. But you're trying to make yeah. it, like you're trying to put lipstick on a pig. You know what I mean? Instead yep. of being real with people and whatnot. So yeah, uh, we we pulled out of a Chick Fil A RFP like two years ago. They like sent it to us and they were, and we looked at him and we said not to run. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what we said. We were like, Nope, you already have this vendor who built this for you. You're just looking to, to fund their development pipeline. So you're putting this out to everybody else, knowing that you're not going to move. Right. But what you are doing is going, Hey, tell us your best ideas. And so the, the ones that we really like, we'll tell them to go build for us. so we literally just said you know what you're one of the best restaurant chains in the country and we would love to work with you but we're not we're not interested in just helping our competitor get better and that's what we wrote him and told him
1: there's more than a few of those that do that on a, and you know, it's a fool me once thing, but it, we fell for it early on multiple times where it was like, Oh, we just want to come in and brainstorm. Um, it's like, Oh, all right. Yeah, that's great. But it's yeah. a, a enormous brand. So what are you going to do? You're not going to say yeah. completely no, but to your point, yeah, recently it's like, no, nope, you either work with us or you won't like we'll, we'll go from here, but we're not going to spend six months of consulting. So you can take it and do it with your point of sale that you're recommended you're going to do it with anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like your uh, thing. So yeah, yeah. And I, uh, you know, yeah, they utilize the, they hang the carrot out there, man. If you could get another 25,000 locations on here, what would you do? And then you find out, well, yeah, there's no chance that was going to happen. Yeah. And I think we all go through that, right? Like we, you know, were you there since the founding of your company? Yeah. Yeah. I was a founder. So Yeah. So yeah, you're, you and I are in the same boat, right? Like, You know, when you're young, it's like, what of those in Hollywood? It's like the actress would like, you maybe took some uh, inappropriate photos or they, I did it for, you know, I was young and I did it for the money type of thing. (laughs) And that's how I feel about so many of the decisions we had to make in the early years is like, we just didn't know better. And we were so like, we needed that big win, right? And so we were like, oh, I'll I'll do do it and see. Maybe, maybe there's a one in a million chance. And then as you get older and more successful, you go, nah. You got me yep. last time. i not going to do it again. Yeah, there's a bunch of brands like that. Okay, man. Uh, John, it was a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, do you want to put out the website? And I will put it in the show notes, but anything you want to promote or anything real quick?
1: Uh, just cardfree.com. Uh, happy to work with brands of any size and, and uh, look forward to hearing from folks. And Tommy, really appreciate the time and spending years spending time with us.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I want to thank all the listeners to the podcast. Um, As we continue to keep putting out great content, please share it and uh, we will see you on the next one. Thanks, guys.